The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. We welcome you once more to Grace in Focus. Thank you for being here today as we begin looking at the Old Testament story that happens in the book of Ruth. I think you will just love how guest host Philippe Sterling breaks down this short story into episodes and scenes. He has a way of picturing the scenes such that you may perhaps even experience the story as if you were watching a movie. So today, after a little bit of background, we're going to start watching the first episode, which has three scenes, but we'll look at just the first scene today. And I hope that you will also take a look at our website, faithalone.org, and see the many resources and products that are there to help you understand and appreciate the Free Grace position, which is our position at Grace Evangelical Society. Now then, let's get into today's program, Ruth, episode number one, scene number one. And here is Bob Wilkin, Ken Yates, and Philippe Sterling. Welcome to Grace and Focus. I'm here again with... Ken Yates. And Philippe Sterling. All right. And today we're going to drop in on the subject of Philippe's master's thesis at Dallas Seminary, the book of Ruth, the introduction, and maybe the first six verses and a bit more if we have time. This book was written when, approximately? Well, the book itself tells us that it's events that were inspired during the time of the judges. So we're talking about the time after Joshua and the elders who lived with Joshua up until the time of Samuel. 1350 to 1050, about 300 year uh, period. That's the time frame. And of course, that was a terrible time in Israel's history where the people were in a cycle of believing, of faithfulness, and then falling into sin and coming under the discipline of God. And there's a whole number of cycles of that that occurred. So the events of this book occurred towards the end of that period of time of the judges. But it's a book that is very positive. The characters in the book are very exemplary, you know, characters, and it occurs around the little town of Bethlehem. Uh Uh, This pastoral setting, this insignificant town, but because of God's faithfulness towards his people and because of the faithfulness of a few of the people that are there, Boaz and Ruth among them, it has extraordinary consequences that leads to the monarchy, Uh, of a good king, uh, David, ultimately, and much beyond that, messianic implications and the the birth of Christ. The son of David. And the descendant of Ruth, who is named by name in Jesus's genealogy in Matthew. So this this fascinating little book. And yet that gives us a very personal look into the lives of a couple of faithful believers in in so Yahweh, even in Yahweh. so even in a time of darkness we're seeing light here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Now by the way, what's the theme then? Now you've already touched on yeah. it, but what's the theme of Ruth? Well the theme reflects on the providential arrangement of God working through the faithfulness of a very ordinary believers to bring about, you know, a momentous event. Ultimately the birth of David the king and ultimately the birth of Christ, of the Messiah. And all that is kind of unseen. God's hand is unseen, but you can see it through the book of Ruth, that God's at work, and you said it's through faithful people. Right, through faithful people. So it's God's unseen hand in coordinating events. And several hints of that, strong hints of that, 
appear. We'll talk about it All right. when we come to, to those verses. But the opening of Ruth, the first six verses, set a very bleak, depressing situation. The darkness leads to the light later in the book. Yes. All right. Okay. Let's go through the first six verses then. Okay. So, so it's a time of the judges. And that itself, you know, puts a depressing note. It's, it wasn't a very good time. We might say it was a time of the Great Depression. And a famine occurs. And a famine might have been part of God's discipline on the people for their unfaithfulness. So because of famine, a family leaves Bethlehem. And they make their way to the territory of Reuben and make their way to the country of, of Moab. A family of four, Elimelech and his wife Naomi and Malon and Kilion, their two sons. So sad beginning. And things get even sadder. While there in Moab, Elimelech dies. And so leaving Naomi bereft of her husband, she still has two sons. Those two sons find Moabite wives, Ruth and Orpah. And then those two sons die as well. So Naomi is bereft of her entire family, her husband and her two sons. But then a ray of light emerges. Uh, She hears that God has supplied bread for his people. God has visited his people, as the text tells us. Sometimes when scriptures say that God has visited his people, sometimes it's in judgment. Right. It's them in judgment. Other times it's in blessing. And here it's the beginning of blessing. God has visited his people by giving them food. So Naomi decides to return back to the land that God had given Israel. I mean, we see it in our culture as well, but particularly a widow with no husband and no children would have been in very dire straits. Yeah. They, they didn't have Social Security, for example. Yeah. Right. And in, of course, in Moab, there would have been nothing for her. And in going back to Bethlehem, 10 years had passed, and a lot can happen even in 10 years. She didn't know what kind of welcome she would receive back in Bethlehem. She had left the land. In fact, she might have been a pariah you know, of sorts for having left. Her daughters-in-law, she tries very hard yes. to get them to stay in Moab, right? Because yes. she thinks that's best for them. Exactly. For whatever reason, she thinks, go back to your people, go back to your father's household and see what can happen. Because she thinks it's better for them to stay in Moab than going back to Yeah, she was thinking Judah. of their welfare. In fact, right. she's very insistent. There's three cycles of dialogue, you know, between Naomi and their daughters-in-laws, you know, and she's, you know, she makes use of very strong arguments to persuade them to return back to their people. Which works with Orpah. Right. But it doesn't work with Ruth. Right, right. In fact, she makes use of, as we look at the chapter, you know, there she makes use of national, personal, and religious arguments to try to convince them to return. So, so they're about ready to return, but Naomi is about ready to return back to Bethlehem. And there's a roadside there, I guess the major road that's going to take them back. And, she, and her two daughter-in-laws really loved her. Now, apparently, Naomi had made quite an impression and had quite an influence on her two daughter-in-laws. Right. In fact, I would surmise that over the course of those 
10 years, Naomi had shared, you know, about Abraham and the promise made to Abraham that yes. it will be a blessing to the nations. And I, would, and I think over the course of that time that Ruth became a believer in Yahweh, believed yeah. in, in the coming seed, in, in the Messiah, was, was a regenerated, you know, believer. Yeah. But on the roadside in Moab, you know, they're, they're returning and their two daughter-in-laws don't want to leave. They want to go, go with her. But Naomi tries as hard as she can to dissuade them from that. Uh, she says, you know, I'm an old woman. I'm not going to be able to remarry and have other sons that she could marry. You know, old so, woman you know, <laughs> meaning what, 45 or 50? Yeah. I mean, she's not that old. No, but. no we don't know how old she But it was 10 years and she, her, her sons, uh, when, when the Limelech died, her sons were not yet married. So it's over the years after that that they married Ruth yeah. and, and Orpah. So like I said, she may just have been 40 years old. It may still have been possible for her to conceive and, and bear children, but by the time they grew of marriageable age, you know, right. Ruth and Orpah will no longer have been you know, <laughs> very, you know, for that. So she says, you know, I'm not going to be able to provide husbands, you know, for you. It's much better that you return to be with, with you people. And she does persuade Orpah of that. And Orpah just comes across as a very, you know, ordinary, faithful, nothing unfaithful about Orpah. You know, she was willing and wanting to go, took two persuasive speeches to persuade her, you know, to go. Right. Uh, to, to return. And it was very logical for yeah. her to return to her homeland. Right. Yeah, in fact, yeah. what Ruth does is kind of illogical. Except she believes in, in the God of Israel. She believes in the coming Messiah. And she views herself, even though she's a Moabitess, she views herself as one of God's people, right? One oh, of, absolutely. She has her loyalty with Israel, not with Moab. Right. She totally identifies with Naomi and her husband's people. We learned that she was part the wife of Malon later, which is, who was the oldest son of Elimelech and, and Naomi, too. But in the third speech where she tries to dissuade Ruth, Ruth then makes this amazing statement of identification with Naomi and with God and with God's people. Let me see if I can... Is uh, that 16 and 17? Yes, yes. I'll, I'll just read it here out of the New King James. Uh, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge... I will lodge. You people shall be my people. You, God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. Yahweh do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Wow. But notice here, first of all, that she refers to Yahweh, which is an indication to me that she was a believer in, right. in, in Yahweh. Uh, you know, there. But amazingly, you know, Looking at the Hebrew, you know, it's very punctuated, you know, statements uh, that that's there. Basically, you pe you people, my people, you God, my God, you die, I die. Wow, there. it's an amazing, very emphatic, uh, very emphatic, uh, yeah. you know, statement. And what I think we may compare it to, this is not the moment that Ruth comes to faith. I think she is a believer, but what this might be comparable to might be the baptismal statements that we might make. You know, we, we come to believe and then we're baptized, identify with the church, with God's people, and in, in essence, make a commitment to be a disciple you know, of Christ. And also, I think if we were to make it an equivalent to it, we might say this is her baptismal commitment, in essence, yeah. that, that she's making at, at this point. 
you know, identify. I'm now a Jewish woman. That's basically what you're saying. I'm now a Jewish woman. Exactly. Okay. Well, thank you, Philippe. That's a great, and we were able to get all the way down to uh, verse 17. So that's great. And we'll pick up there in the next time. And until then, what are we going to do, Ken? We are going to keep keep grace in focus. Thank you, gentlemen, for that interesting discussion. Would you like to deepen your understanding of Scripture and the Christian life? Well, a great place to start is our website. It's faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. We've got all kinds of free materials on the site available for you. One of those which is extremely popular is our magazine, Grace in Focus. It comes out six times a year. It's full color, easy to read, and people are really growing who read it. So stop by and get a free subscription at faithalone.org. We would like to thank all of our financial partners who help us keep this show going. All gifts are tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can be a financial partner, visit us at faithalone.org. We are so happy when we hear from listeners. Maybe you've got a question or comment or feedback. If so, please send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. And on the next edition of Grace and Focus, we will continue the story of Ruth, and we'll look at Episode 1, Scenes 2 and 3. Listen in. You will love it. This is the Grace Evangelical Society reminding you to always keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.